0: Good Monday morning. It's January tenth, two thousand twenty-two. You're watching Finance and Technology Insights. I'm your host Eric Buerendorf with my co-host Brian Williams. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing just fine. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Sorry, I I punted this morning. I think maybe we need to um, probably do a later recording. Um, I'm just in, in a scramble, usually getting the kids off to school and getting oriented in the morning. Does that, you think that'll work for you?
1: Yeah, I could see that, man. Maybe if we do like an 11 to 12 kind of thing, and then maybe I can add in post during, during lunch. I think that probably works.
0: Cool. Cool. How was your weekend? How was your last week?
1: Last week was, uh, was pretty good uh, over the weekend. Let's see. We had actually planned to go up to see my mother on a saturday we're gonna leave saturday morning first thing and then we looked at the weather yesterday and it didn't look great coming back so she's she's north of albany she's about a little over three hours away um and it looked like the way it was coming it would just sunday would have not been enjoyable so um since we have next week available and an extra day next week with it being a holiday on monday so so we pushed it back a week, which is probably the right thing to do. Cause it was, uh, wasn't, I guess, too bad here in Connecticut, but, uh, there were some spots where it was pretty icy yesterday.
0: Yeah. How'd you do with the snow? We got, we got about Connecticut, uh, central Connecticut got about what, seven inches of snow or, or so.
1: Yeah. So that was, that was Thursday into Friday. We did all right. I mean, we knew it was going to kind of end midday. So luckily the, uh, our plow guy came and, uh, he cleaned us out after it was all done and he's just got a little little jeep thing so he can move it around and then I went out and did the rest by hand and uh yeah it worked out fine I know you've got a story to share on your new electric snowblower so I'm sure we're all dying to hear about that yeah I was I was pretty excited I got to I
0: so for the viewers uh I over the last year I've been converting all my yard tools power tools uh to electric um so we just got a new electric snowblower two-stage snowblower and we got to test it out and it worked worked great Uh, it was uh, it requires no warm-up and no starting sequence no oil no gas Um, just hit the button and turn it on when you want it on and if you need to stop for any reason you just turn off and it just stops and no noise the the whole concept of idling is is all gone and uh it's just incredible. I didn't even I still would recommend wearing ear ear protection and I will wear ear protection, but I didn't this time. And uh it I didn't think I didn't think it was too bad. My I think my Apple Watch was yelling at me a little bit saying I was exceeding um safe safe audio levels. But uh yeah it's amazing the the electric conversion is well underway over here and it's so funny i i don't even think that like the normals really know it's coming although i did i do see a couple of my neighbors have a um they have a couple of them have the electric push mower which we have as well for trimming and stuff but um yeah, in large part, a lot of people I see on Facebook responding to my post, my personal on my personal Facebook page, where a lot of uh, raised eyebrows and, and uh,
1: surprise comments. So but it was amazing. Hey, you yeah, you wouldn't think that uh, snow blowing, you need a little bit extra power, right? You'd think more than more than a mower. So um, we've been we've been electric for a while. When we moved into our house, I said, All right, let's go electric. And let's, you know, see how long we could go without needing anything else like that. So um so yeah we've we've done okay i mean with you know wow, so you're already on electric yeah i mean just for i mean for outdoor kind of stuff so we have a blower which i don't i'm i have an issue with leaf blowers and we could do a whole episode on leaf blowers but um we have one of those and then um you know our weed whacker and our, our mower are uh, are electric so yeah we've, we've oh been wow in the, so you the ryobi ecosystem for a while yeah yeah um yeah we like we like our mower we uh you know it we looked at it like originally when we first moved in, we had, we had somebody else cut the grass. Um, but now that, you know, once we had our kid and we were home a little bit more and, you know, we're exercising and going for a walk and we're like, well, wait a minute, why am I getting up in the morning and walking for an hour on Saturday? And then somebody's coming to mow our lawn on Saturday. And we're, it, it kind of clicks with you, you know, when you're the, the day when you're on the treadmill in the basement and you're looking out the window and someone else is mowing your lawn and, and then you're writing <laughs> that person a check, it sort of dawns on you. So, That's funny. Um, yeah. So, so we've, we've gone that route and we, you know, the, the, it's as much about the noise pollution, honestly, as the, the air pollution. It's like, if you're in a, a, a neighborhood on a, on a Saturday or Sunday, it's like, you can't escape it. Somebody's and everybody's got these, you know, not many, I don't know. So I guess a lot of people still mow their own lawn, but it seems like on our street, everybody's coming in with the, you know, the big ride on stand on sort of things, these big industrial that were never really designed to clear, you know, half an acre of somebody's somebody's yard, but they're coming in with these things. And it's, it's loud. It's, it's obnoxious. It's a lot.
0: It's some. So I decentralized our company in 2017. So that's when my work from home experience started. And that's one of the first things I noticed we, mm-hmm. it was, uh, I think June, 2017, I transitioned to work, working from home, uh, exclusively first thing you notice is just the constant din, uh, every single day of some two stroke engine or some engine rumbling and idling in the, in the distance. And, um, so you're spot on and it, and since my wife has started working from home uh, during the pandemic she's she's since gone back to the office but one of one of her complaints is she was just flabbergasted. she's like I cannot believe <laughs> that every day somebody is doing something uh, to their yard, to their chainsaw, a mower, a blower or all three of them and uh, it's pretty funny. So the electric conversion I, you're right. it's not just the, the air pollution, the noise pollution is definitely I'm looking forward to seeing, you, you know, the electric t- tools are not noiseless, but they are less noisy and the, op- the time in which they operate is, is much, much smaller. So they're only making the noise when they're operating. And if you stop to check your phone or you need to, you know, do something, the noise just stops because the machine stops. You know, the one, a lot of the noise pollution from gas engines and things is filled with that kind of dead time of idling and just running, you know? Um, but that's cool that you're already migrated. So, I mean, yeah. you're not, I, I, after knowing you this while Um, it's, it's obvious that you're not what we would call consider a normal anyways. You're, you're obviously technology Thank center, you, I
1: guess, well,
0: you're, you know, we call normals, you know, the non-techies, you know, the, everybody who, you know, who uses technology haphazardly uh but not not intentionally so so to speak you know
1: yeah yeah and i yeah i guess you do think of that as technology because it is a fast-growing field and it is pretty uh moving forward pretty aggressively and like you said probably faster than most people realize um you know a lot that's of what's pa-
0: fascinating I, I the normals just don't seem to know in, in and i'm generalizing right The there's some people who get it get get a get the drift that the, you know, things yeah. are changing or, you know, like I said, some of my neighbors have electric mowers and blowers. So, um, I don't think they necessarily think about what's what, what
1: that means is, is that happening, but right. For sure. Yeah. And it came up a little bit last week with the big snowstorm in Virginia. Right. So, you I don't know, if you saw a couple of those columns that were like, well, good thing they weren't all in Tesla's, you know, they would have froze to death because you, you saw that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. Because you can't, <laughs> you know, at least with the gas powered cars, you can bring a can of gas and, and fill people up on the fly. And there isn't that mechanism yet for, for electric cars. So, so that, that is an issue. I mean, it's kind of a one-off of a one-off. I mean, what are the odds of being trapped in a, you know, I still think the benefits outweigh the potential issues like that, but, um, but you will hear stuff like that.
0: So when that, when that news was hitting and that event was occurring, uh, I saw a post on our local West Hartford neighbors group. Uh, somebody posted something not, not incendiary, but uh, to say something to the effect of, you know, what would what are the electric car owners doing in an event like this? And all the normals or naysayers were posting like, yeah, they, you know, thank God they, you know, you know, there weren't, you know, too many electric cars out there, blah, blah, blah. Um, But one Tesla owner piped up and said, um, oh, yeah, we would have just watched Netflix and stayed warm for the whole event and then drove home. And uh, and then it started this thread of, you know, as it turns out, a Tesla, according to this, this poster. And then I actually ended up doing kind of a deeper dive. And then one of, you know, one of my YouTubers that I'm subscribed to who has a Tesla and his whole channel is all about operating and owning a Tesla. he saw that news and he did a response video on how long his Tesla can run the heat at 70 degrees. And as it turns out, a Tesla can run in the cold weather, uh, keep the cabin at 70 degrees for days. Wow. That's good to know. with With plenty of juice to get out and um you know i think tow tow trucks are this is anecdotal so don't quote me necessarily but it's obvious that um, tow trucks are are going to be running with generators and there's even a whole um, product line that's coming out of mobile battery supplies and i don't know if you have any mobile battery charge uh, or cell phone chargers or those mobile battery packs they're just, you know, there's already products that are out that are scaling those up. Blue Eddy is one of them. That's really fascinating that they're, they're saying can replace. It's a, it's a suitcase size battery that you can actually replace a whole home generator. If you have a power inlet box on your, on your house and a generator, it can replace a whole home generator. Uh, and run your, run your house off a battery for a couple of days. So that same appliance can easily be carried out to the field. And, and um, you know, it's not, it's not about, it's not about topping off an electric car that might be stranded. All you got to do is give them, you know, a couple, you know, a couple minutes of charge and you're, you know, you can give them multiple or a dozen miles or so where they can then, you know, exit the freeway that they might be stranded on or, you know, head down the road to the next charger. So it certainly was not a uh, death sentence for ele- the electric cars out there, at least not no. the Teslas.
1: No, I mean, and obviously, it all matters how much juice you had going into the event, right? I mean, if you're somebody who's low to begin with, and even but no different for a gas vehicle. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. They always, you know, especially in the winter, you know, don't let it go past half a tank you know in case you get stranded or in case there's a right there's an yeah so the
0: tesla the tesla owners out there you know they were they were fine while they were watching netflix and hulu and playing video games on on their on the 12 inch screen i thought that was funny yeah that is pretty funny i mean not that the event was funny so i'm sensitive to what everybody went through but in the context of here you are how how did the evs fare anyways but that's the technologist's take on it
1: yeah so what else is new? What's, what else is going on in the news? Oh, I don't know. Let's see what we had pinned to our Flipboard. So, if you're if you're new to the show or checking us out for the first time, we do have a Flipboard page which is under the um, Finance and Technology Insights by Brian and Eric, and we have a link to that in our Facebook group of the same name. So, from Tuesday to Sunday, Eric and I will flip stuff in there for for others and for ourselves to review for each other. So um let's see is there any stories that you wanted to leave lead with yeah me?
0: it's it's neither technology nor um finance related but I, I I don't know how I think you're around my age or not but uh, did you grow up watching full house on Friday night oh, sure of course did you see the news about Bob Saget's I did. passing yeah yeah so what I'm not sure if you if you love him or hate him it turns out I, I was shocked to hear I never watched his stand-up um, but apparently he's a stand up comedian and apparently his stand up's pretty raunchy,
1: <laughs> it is, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with, with that. I've listened to a lot of his stuff. That's uh, yeah, it's definitely not what you'd expect from Danny Tanner, that's for sure. That was a whole I had no of... idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, he was on uh, Entourage for a while. He was a neighborhood of the guys. I don't know if you ever watched that show.
0: I never watched it. Was, I think Entourage was an H- HBO show, yeah. we didn't have HBO, I think, when that was yeah. when that was big
1: yeah but uh no he's definitely not the danny tanner character so um whether that played into his demise or what or what was going on in that room or whatever who knows but um yeah he right. was definitely what else uh I'm trying to think of what else he was in he's been in some other stuff lately here or there but um
0: yeah i've only known him as danny tanner um oh he did um did he do funniest videos at one point America's oh funniest yeah videos? yeah
1: for sure that was uh, yeah he was the first guy there yeah. He was, okay. he was the guy that kind of started that mail in your VHS tape to the. Yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah.
0: that's how he, that's how he's uh, epitomized in, in my, in my mind. So when I saw that, I was like, ah, oh, Danny Tanner. Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, yeah, that's, um, that's sad. I'm just, I didn't, I didn't pin the article, but I do see it here on the headline. Um looks like mm-hmm. he has um, a couple daughters uh, are, you know, in their mid thirties or so. And that's, and he was 65. So. My father's sixty-five, so that's kind of like, you know, it's kind of touched, pulled, yanked at the heartstrings a little bit. So,
1: yeah, yeah rest, I know. Any rest time in is... peace, Danny Tanner. I know, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Sad to see.
0: So, not to not to be insensitive, but um, you know, one of the one of the themes. It's funny. Our shows seem to uh, develop a theme. And last, I think last show I was chirping about um, businesses, law firms, professional services or whatever that send customer intake forms in the form of word documents or PDF (laughs) via email. Um, And, uh, and since then, one of the things, one of the themes that I've been kind of obsessing over is how. In, you know, how incredibly uh, necessary and important it is to have a robust website and kind of web and digital marketing presence. And I'm, and I, I was thinking about this even before this article that I pinned uh, from Inc magazine, but, you know, it, it kind of occurred to me and it's self-serving because our my company provides this exact service, but, from a business manage management point, it's if if there are businesses out there that have traveling salespeople or a sales resource that is going to chamber meetings, chamber of commerce meetings, trade shows, things of that nature. Um, even before I saw this article, I was thinking to myself, you know, that not, not that you have to discontinue those efforts per se, but it's pretty clear that the the return on investment marketing investment um, is significantly higher on digital channels you know having a robust social media presence and engagement having a robust website that is is purpose-built to be a sales tool um, having you know your your um seo in, in order having you know continually producing uh, organic uh, relevant content on your website and something that we've been doing for our site in our in our company and it's very effective and it's something that you know it's a service we start providing our clients and they're benefiting from that but um anyways yeah i'm kind of kind of getting over the top about it lately i'm just seeing how 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 vitally important it is because one of the things that i was down on is you know we have a trade show circuit that we go to as exhibitors and COVID has kind of has put a wet blanket on that and um you know as we as out of necessity you transition to the digital selling channel or the digital marketing channel and you realize wow how how really effective it is compared to you know pounding the pavement so to speak um Uh, it's pretty fascinating. So Inc Magazine, I just, I posted it this morning. uh, The title of the article is the COVID effect, why CEOs must adapt a digital marketing mindset. And then the byline four factors are shaping dramatic shift in buyer behavior, what the C-suite needs to do in response. You know, they say the C-suite, I think this applies to every business, even if you're a solopreneur, small business. Um, I'll just say, um, I'm going to summarize it real quick. There's four, four things that the, the author cites as um, what to do. And, and one, two, three, four, I'll just say the first one, shift to digital buying. Buyers are taking their shopping online and conducting far more research on their own prior to purchase. I think that trend's been, been coming anyways, but it's just certainly not going away. And, and it's kind of a namestay now. Number two, virtual selling, replacing in-person. This is kind of the piece that I'm talking about. You know, the trade shows are, are valuable, but when, when and if you can't be, you know, be doing the trade shows, um, you know, virtual selling, whether you're doing your Zoom meeting or something alternative to face-to-face. Uh, number three, slower sales cycle. After initial periods of panic buying, subsided customers are more cautious and measured and less likely to take risk creating a slower sales cycle. So I think uh, I'm not sure what the relevance of that is. Oh no, I'm I'm sorry. I'm uh, reading from the long, long wrong list. That's the dramatic shifts in buyer behavior. The reimagined marketing sales strategies are uh, going virtual. Website is king. Customer touch points like social media and customer service. Sorry, I was rambling off uh, the wrong list. But that, farther down the list, he says virtual is king. Website is king. Customer touch points, social media, that sort of thing, and then customer service. So, anyways, interesting article.
1: Yeah, it is. And it's like so many other things. It's probably a combination of a little bit of everything, right? So even when you go to the trade show, the people you talk to there, what are they gonna do? They're gonna go home and check out your social media presence. They're gonna look at your at your LinkedIn. And it is part of an ongoing process. It's not a not a one-time fix my website. You know, they're gonna look at your facebook page any groups are they posting are they adding value are they uh consistent you know was their last post from 2019 and uh you know that kind of stuff so um yeah it's definitely you got to have a presence everywhere and it's a mix of mix of both you're gonna even if you're doing live events or you're gonna be somewhere you still have to promote those online to get people to get there um you know so Um, Yeah, the the marketing, you know,
0: marketing is a wheel with many spokes. So I totally speaking generally, and every business has its unique uh, requirements and selling positions. So forgive me if if I'm treading on the shoes of uh, somebody's particular business model or known successful methodology. Um, I totally sit here on high speaking from my personal experience and the experience that I see for our clients. Um, I think the takeaway is, um, when you can't be in person, the digital, you know, digital is is a st- up and coming and strong replacement if uh, if you're struggling to sell in the real, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I, and obviously it depends on your product or service and, and where your audience is. If it doesn't matter if your clients are in San Diego or in Hartford, it doesn't really matter. But if you're you know running a, a local ice cream stand or something like that, um, but you can still be digital. You can still be hyper local with that. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, 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 yeah, to make a case for it. I mean, if you're selling ice cream locally, you know, you can still. I mean, you can sponsor baseball teams and mm-hmm. soccer teams and things, but you can have a, you know, you can build kind of a robust, robust social engagement on your Facebook page or, you know, TikTok. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, it's there. There are digital channels to engage, uh, even if it's hyper local. Um, and and that's something that can be done by a business um, in the comfort of their you know the work from home environment or if you lack the skill set you can outsource it to a company like ours, evernet or you know there's even um, I don't know have you ever heard of Fiverr? Yes sure you, you know Fiverr is a is a um, uh, cloud you know it's like a uber style kind of app or website kind of venue where you can hire people for, you know, as little as $5 per task, you know, to, so if you lack the skill to, to explore digital selling, like there's, there's a lot of
1: channels to do it. And,
0: um, it's yeah, not something that
1: Upworks up one, there's, there's a few of those that are right that are out there. So you can search through people will post like pre-made job descriptions or particular right. tasks. They'll say, well, we'll handle your, you know, create, this many pieces of content for this amount right. of money. And then maybe you can buy them on a con- or, you know, buy that package on a contract basis, or, you know, you can kind of go back to them as a one-off, but a lot of those do lead to longer term engagements and totally and things like that. Totally.
0: Okay. And it, and it, quite frankly, it, it leads to a, an education that a business owner, in my opinion, really needs today. Um, so for what that's worth. I know I, yeah. I I really do speak from on high but I feel strongly about that.
1: Yeah, and it's uh you know even if somebody's been on the platforms a long time still the the same the difference between being on and and liking and sharing your own stuff on a personal level versus running content managing it for a business is a is a totally different ball game. So if you want to try it yourself and get a feel for it and then have a little greater respect of the time that it takes, you know, because you, you think of social media as being, you know, instant and oh, I can just share this or, or do this, but, but it, it runs away from you a little bit if you're not staying on top of it, you know, your next thing you so look at, it's, it's been a few weeks since you've done a post or you're going to, you were going to do this live, you know, once a week and then you miss a couple weeks or, you know, so really having a set schedule or having somebody help you with that set schedule is, is critical very true very true uh,
0: I don't want to capitalize
1: on the news cycle well do you have, you have anything that uh... yeah I mean we've we've gone down the road of the the metaverse a couple times here but I had flipped over a uh, a, a video that was pretty good that was from Wall Street Journal it was about um, investors oh, yeah. yeah. buying up metaverse real estate in a virtual land boom, which I thought was interesting. And I've tried to come at that as objectively as possible and try to figure out what's going on. I mean, from from an investment standpoint, if a client came to me, I would say, you know, like any sort of trial investment, just start low and expect to lose it all if you want to go down that path. But it's, I mean, it's probably, probably a little bit, I mean, listen, people who happen to, do okay with it early on. And, and, you know, it's probably going to be more luck than skill, to be honest with you. um But I think it's, it's probably in the pre first wave, if you will, I think there's still a lot of dust that needs to be settled. And you're, you're buying real estate in these worlds, but you don't know what popular, uh, how popular these worlds are going to be, you don't know yet, um, w- who the winners are going to be, right.
0: So you're so just for the view for the the viewer or a listener, you're you're talking about an article from the Wall Street Journal headline: "Investors buy up Metaverse real estate in virtual land boom." I mean, how 2022 is that? You know, right? Um, I know. So you're so you're saying that there. Well, let's all let's all agree that the term Metaverse uh, essentially means the uh, digital world. I, I stop short sure of saying virtual reality, but effectively virtual reality, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, apparently, according to this article, investors are spending their money to buy digital real estate in a virtual land boom. That's fascinating. What What do you think?
1: Yeah. So you so you have these lands, so to speak, and they have your when you initially go in, you're you're ported, I guess is the right word, into a spot which is picture like a Times Square or something like that. So that's going to be your your hub. So people are buying this real estate closer to where people essentially start or the center of these universes. And they're they're buying it because they can attract, um, same reason you would buy a retail building or something, You you're going right. to be able to attract the Nike store, or, or I don't know, Louis Vuitton or whatever, to sell digital virtual products to the avatars that are visiting that space so that they can have the latest sneakers and handbags or you're buying it uh, so you could put a museum in there and display your your NFTs right. or you're buying it because you, you know you're um, who the heck knows you're, you're buying it just because you feel that it can't be replicated anywhere else you feel that that you know just like Times Square there is no substitute for Times Square you know so that's well, kind of the sorry i mean i guess they're looking for
0: cut you off uh, yeah i mean so this this is fascinating to me because you know uh, i don't want to catch you uh, um i don't want to quiz you uh, on a surprise quiz but what what makes so, if i were to ask you what makes you makes something valuable what would you
1: say what's the answer to what makes something valuable Right, so it's it's especially in real estate, it's it's a scarcity, right? I mean, there's scarcity. no there's no way you can add more land between you know Boston and Miami or whatever, but, you know, right. coastal land. Um, they try, <laughs> put all those houses on on pillars and stuff, but right. So that's that's my concern with these virtual lands is, yeah, they say they're capped at a certain number of acreage or squares or whatever, if you will, but. Okay, so the blockchain is going to decide that, but well, so that's the so you just you, problem, you,
0: yeah. So you just invoke the next buzzword. You, you mentioned NFT, metaverse, right? So with the block with blockchain technology, um, for for the viewers and listeners, what makes blockchain currency valuable is uh, from the time that it is in, in uh, developed it has a built-in scarcity to it. They're, they know how many Bitcoin uh, can, will ever exist, ever. And none, no more will be created after that. So therefore, the scarcity is built into that blockchain currency. I can't speak for all the blockchain currencies out there. I'm pretty sure that's one of the key features of blockchain, blockchain currencies is the scarcity. So I'm, I can only guess the metaverse real estate virtual land boom, you know, I, I, don't want to get too technical, but is it a program is, you know, is that, is that a, is it a game? You know, I know there are different games, you know, they call Fortnite video game, a metaverse in and of itself. So, you know, is it, are these different applications, different metaverses? I can tell you that in 2003, 2004, there was a video game called second life. That was was supposed to take um, this whole metaverse and second world concept uh, uh, you know take us to that kind of virtual reality, so so to speak and and that just turned out to be a game. And I remember that that Coca-cola and big brands were all actually buying up real estate in that game. So you know I think I think it's funny. I think land, land virtual land booms have proven that they're not, they're not a flash in the pan. The, the marketers and the, and the, and the companies that want, that have a a financial interest in getting their products in front of eyeballs have proven that they'll go where the eyeballs are. Um, but I think it's fascinating, you know, it's, it's, I know that typically, you know, everybody knows anybody who's seen a a, a notepad file on their desktop or a folder, a photograph on their computer, and they just right click and say copy and then right click and say paste, you've just duplicated something. So, you know, the digital can be easily replicated. Um, So that built in, that built in scarcity, I think is going to be, is going to be a key feature for virtual land boom, but I just
1: I I just didn't. It's so funny. When I saw that, I was like, oh, man, this this,
0: couldn't be any more
1: 2022. I know. I know very much so. Yeah. I mean, that's the, you know, the number of Bitcoins, I think, is capped at around 21 million, something Mm. like that, where they, they can, you know, that's the number that when they get all the Bitcoins, that's it. But there's nothing stopping other people from creating coins, right? I mean, anybody can create a coin and then put a Put a number, a limit on that. So that's what you mean competing currency. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a, yeah, and they
0: are doing that.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. There, there, I don't know if there's
0: dozens or hundreds or thousands now, but there's a lot of digital competing currencies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, GameStop said that they're going to come up with their own. I'm sure that that Facebook will come up with theirs and Amazon and Google. And I don't know, we'll see how it all shakes out, but
0: the government, you know, I've ever, I've read that the government's China and even the United States are exploring their own versions of digital currency. So, right.
1: Right. And as we've said, most of what we do is, is digital anyway. I mean, 95% of the economy is just transacted through ledgers. Anyway, it's just a matter of moving the last five, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and honestly, I don't, I don't want to speak out of school, but I, my understanding of the United States financial system has a antiquated and intentionally kept um, clearing system. So my understanding, again, I'm way talking out of school, so if you can fill in the gaps here, um, I, I'm pretty sure that if you go even to Europe, Asia, Co- Korea, South Korea, um, when you spend your money uh, you know, if you, you, you spend your money on a credit card or whatever, you look at your app, you look at your bank, you look, you look at the agency that, um, helped you transact that, that money. It's just updated. As soon as the the merchant takes your money and you take their good and you leave the store, your bank accounts updated in the United States, you have this ridiculous kind of one to three day clearing window. You know, I use the mint app. I don't know if you know about mint or not. But um, Mint is a really cool and free app uh, owned by uh, Intuit, the makers of uh, the popular QuickBooks. And the former owner of uh, Quicken, they sold Quicken a bunch of years ago to a private equity firm that maintains it now. But Mint is a, a finance aggregator that you can put all your accounts in and you can see kind of all of your account activity in one place. It's a, it's a great finance management tool. But what's so annoying is every time I spend something on it and I look, they, they, the tr- the transactions are kind of in hold and you can't yet like categorize them and kind of like triage them because there's this ridiculous clearing period. What do you, are you familiar as to why that is or anything? About yeah. It that? just
1: has to do with settlements. Right? It's just, there's just so many layers of, of middle middlemen and, and everything that has to clear these transactions. So, um, but there's, there's like a, I've read about this. There's like a financial interest
0: as to why that exists in the United States. Like apparently uh, the timing of holding people's money for, even if it's like seconds and micro like it's billions of dollars of revenue, apparently. And to some, whether it's the bank or the, it's not the merchants, uh, it's gotta be the banks or the, or the central banks or something that, Even holding the money uh, in in some because the interest earned or something uh, you know a trillion dollars
1: a day amounts to I don't know millions or billions I don't know
0: something to that effect.
1: Yeah, it's it all has to do. You want to you want to keep it overnight, right? That's the overnight clearing. That was if you go back, that was the original PayPal model, right? Everything was was going to be free for everybody to use, but it was going to take. You know, I think when originally it was like seven to 10 days and that was their whole model is that they were, you were going to buy something, they were going to keep the money for 10 days, get interest on it, and then pay the person that you, that you bought there it you from. Go. And that's how they there were going to make their money. Um, so it was that whole idea of flow, you know, that they're floating Float, right. for that, that period of time. It, so
0: it's an, a, a, an obnoxious uh, speed bump that I think is going to be one of the big, big impetus Impetus? What's the plural of impetus? I don't know. <laughs> the, the the motivators to change, you know, that's the sort of thing that, like, if you're just needlessly cumbersome, mm-hmm. it's just a matter of time before a better way just just materializes. Right. Um, me and my wife always laugh about this whole concept of you know, the the when you go out to dinner, you know, you go out to eat. This whole this whole process where you ask for the check they walk over they give you the check they leave you review the check you put a payment method in on the on on the account, on the table they come back collect your your card leave out of sight with your credit card transact your you know you do the transaction and then they return with your card like that whole process is just it's ridiculous. I've also read that that's uniquely American, like the Europeans and, and, and Asia, like the notion of somebody walking away from your credit card is just, is completely unacceptable, you know? Um, so, and we go to Montreal when, before pre-COVID, we go to Montreal quite a bit and that's very kind of European feeling. Um, so when you go out to dinner there, no matter where you are, you, they come with a mobile uh card credit card machine so they transact you right there at the table um so anyways didn't mean to
1: get go on a tangent but no that's um, that's the good one you see you see some places are putting in the the readers right on the table or whatever it makes sense i guess QR it depends on the business and... model though a lot of that is done intentionally because their margins happen later in the dinner right the drinks and desserts that's where all the you know they're, they're charging you five, six, I don't know, 10 bucks for a slice of cake. Um, That's where all them. So they're trying to extend that dinner, I guess, in some scenarios. So maybe that's what they're trying to do there. Uh,
0: I don't know. I would argue that it's, it's um, businesses are so afraid of, um, you know, people in general don't like change. So when a business, businesses are so afraid of change, they don't want to introduce change uh to their customer base because they're afraid of a negative response so in my opinion i think because by then you're asking for your check you're kind of done right you're you're kind of done with the service you've already had the cake you've already had you know the 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 agent of the business has already had the opportunity to upsell you so by the time you're like i'll take the check i'm now ready i mean the sale the sale opportunity is more or less ready like you know closed i just think that that site that process is um and you know, I've asked a couple um, restaurant owners and managers. I'm like, why Why do you guys still do this process? You know, and they're like, well, you know, it's it's kind of part of the service. You know, I've got that as an answer. The experience, and, you know, the experience, and we don't want to upset the customers. The customers are used to this kind of exchange in this process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's one of you know that COVID has shown that that's one of the processes that can kind of be replaced with technology and improvements. Um, with the, I don't know, have you ever? done a menu with a QR code and payment yep. with a QR code. At, yeah. at, um, we just went to brunch yesterday and the the bill had a QR code on it. And it said, I think it was toast was the vendor that they were using. And I was like, let me try it. And I had QR code the, the on the invoice or the bill rather and paid it and tipped him in two seconds. He actually came over and was like, is this ready for me to pick up and process? I'm like, Oh, I paid it online. And he kind of (laughs) looked surprised. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah."
1: anyways. Yeah. And that's probably the cleanest way to do it. You know, if you have a mechanical reader at every table, or if you have, you know, the the waiters and waitresses carrying around some sort of mechanism, that's an extra device that's going to need updates and security issues and all that kind of stuff. So QR code probably is the way to go. I'm a fan of the QR code at, at the restaurants for sure. For sure. Uh, I still um, would prefer a a paper menu though, versus, versus looking at it on the phone. Yeah. I don't disagree.
0: I don't disagree with that either. I think, yeah, I think a tactile menu is kind of a nice experience for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, something that could be built into the process, you know, uh, would you like a menu for your table, sir? You know, as you sit down, you know, yeah, I'll,
1: I'll appreciate a menu. Um, You know what I really like that's way off topic is when you go in those, those diners and they have the placemats with all the ads sold, sold around the outside. I love those things. I don't know why i am just, I'm just fascinated by those.
0: That's so funny. I I love being out somewhere,
1: somewhere you're not familiar with and just looking at, you know, Joe's auto repair, you know, call this number for whatever, like you're going to see it on the diner menu and be like, you know what? I do need a new transmission. I think (laughs) I I love those Uh, things
0: yeah if it keeps if it keeps a good venue going I, I i'm all for it yeah so uh there was one more article i wanted to touch on i know we're we're at 53 minutes or so you want dare i mention one more oh yeah sure do it so uh kind of tied into the the cryptocurrency have you ever heard of norton antivirus yeah Uh, anybody who's used a computer i suppose in the last 25 years has heard of norton at some point along the way norton was uh kind of a necessary evil that everybody would buy with their with their computer it's an antivirus so the article that i pinned um is from pc gamer although um, most of the tech venues have reported on it but apparently uh norton in has th- th- this headline from PC Gamer is clickbaity, and I'm not a fan of it. The headline says Norton installs an Ethereum crypto miner with its 360 security suite, and uh, one of the venues, The Verge.com, reported on this uh, because they were taking issue with all of the other clickbaity headlines about this. The reality is, it actually doesn't install it. It just it the the miner comes with the software, and it is very clearly optional for the uh, user of the Norton software to turn on crypto mining on their computer. So, if, so the idea is uh, for for those who who are still kind of shaky on what uh, cryptocurrency is. You know it's a decentralized currency uh, that people can exchange goods and and services for uh, the digital currency and the way the system works is it's an open ledger um, that if when somebody transacts with the currency, everybody can see that transaction and everybody's role on the ledger is uh, starts anonymously anyways um, and the um the way that the system works is you have miners m-i-n-e-r miners like coal miners or you know the concept of mining something Um, and it these are basically computers that manage and process the transactions for the ledger and the incentive for the miners is every successful transaction they they process for the ledger they get a small amount of the currency that they're, they're mining or processing for, for the ledger. Um, A lot of computers out there kind of sitting idle. What if we gave our, an opportunity, you know, to our users to turn their computers idle time into a crypto miner and uh, make a little bit of money. And uh, at the same time, because of they're providing the functionality and the facil- they're facilitating this, they will get a piece of uh, the profit uh, that, you're, that you're earning with their software. In concept, I think it's absolutely fascinating. I think it's an absolutely uh, awesome way for normals to be introduced to cryptocurrency and how it works. And even, uh, you know, try their hand in it. I, th- I found this completely fascinating. Um, all the, all the headlines about um, Norton uh, being, a, you know, uh, have having malicious intent or somehow hiding the software uh, or the functionality in the software. That's all false. That's all clickbait. This is it's very clear. And that it says it's off by default. So it's opt-in, the user has to opt-in um and it's very above board ethereum is one of the premier cryptocurrencies i think from what i can tell ethereum uh is kind of the head the head-to-head competitor to bitcoin and there's some advantages to the ethereum cryptocurrency
1: so what do you think well i thought i thought it was interesting when i first when i first clicked on it it was you know following the headlines like you said kind of clickbaity i thought they were putting it on people without their knowledge and then and then using their computer to mine it for themselves. But that's not, right. not the case. It does have to be turned on. And the other, you know, the computer does have to be powerful enough to make it worthwhile. The last thing they want to be doing right. is running it on an old computer. And, you know, cause there still is electricity charges and all things, you know, things like that. So, um, so you have to make sure it's, it's profitable. I don't know to what extent they, you know that's probably above my head but well, how they so the
0: verge did the analysis okay. the verge. the verge.com and and I, it, I didn't pin that article and i regret not pinning that exact article but the verge did the analysis is this profitable for the uh, the user of the Norton software i'll just cut to the chase it was a break even based on the increased uh, power consumption and the uh, currency that they were able to mine in some given period i don't know if they ran it for a month or some some period of time uh, norton fared f- quite well <laughs> uh, on the transaction and that was one of the kind of cons is that norton profited uh all on every transaction, so to speak, whereas the user just broke even. So, based on the power consumption uh, at a given rate of power, um, the the user typically would break even. But that's such a variable environment. You you could be, you know, if you have solar on your house, if you have some, uh, you know, really inexpensive power consumption, uh, and ba- and and frankly, the the value of the currency fluctuates so widely that you know. Who knows if if you know the break even today is a lo- is an is not a f- easy way to start an investment vehicle for the long term,
1: right? And that was my first reaction too. Is it depends on where Ethereum is trading, right? And it may be profitable for you now, but you know how do you calculate that break even? Is it at the time that it that it's mined or month or whatever? So you just don't know. It could turn out to be profitable later on, but um, yeah, it's interesting. interesting. I don't know if you're just regular normal, as, as you would say, what, what the competition is there? So is there another platform that you could download that wouldn't be Norton that would have less fees than Norton that would let you run it more profitable? And I know there are people obviously that mind from, I think that's a and, great question. Um, you know, what is the, what is the other application that allows I think you to do that?
0: I, that's what kind of was, you know, uh, got, piqued my interest uh is that i this is the first time i've seen something so pedestrian mm-hmm. uh to get into cryptocurrency um you know even as a technologist i was i was a laggard to cryptocurrency i didn't i didn't you know 2 years ago i didn't i, didn't, I was like what you know this i thought it was a scandal a scam um you know how you know again with the uh the digital land boom as as we've talked about in the previous article you know, in my mind, I approached it as you know, dig- anything created in the digital is not doesn't have scarcity to it. Um, once you understand how big, once you understand that big um, cryptocurrency has built in um, scarcity to it, and then you start seeing the the benefits of a decentralized currency, not under the control of a government that can just you know, don't, you know, any all governments who control a currency. Uh, are the only people, only entity allowed to um, counterfeit the currency, which is effectively making more currency. And when, when, when the U.S. Treasury uh, asks the Federal Reserve. To borrow more money, um, you know they're just manufacturing more dollars, making everyone in our pockets less valuable. That's literally how that works. It's not political. That is just basic economics. But the when you see that a digital currency can, isn't uh, doesn't isn't exposed to that um, concept, you know it, it becomes it becomes really compelling as a and once and then again once you see using uh, digital currencies or something that we practically do every day. I mean, you buy on Amazon or whatever you start to see like, Oh, wow, this might actually be an interesting, an interesting technology. So seeing Norton say, Hey, we'll, we'll just help you get into the game and and it's just felt very pedestrian. And, I'll, and so I wouldn't be surprised if other software packages said, yeah, I mean, our, the nature of our software is to run on, you know, computers all the time. And uh, let's, Let's just use that Slack computing
1: time to to do a benefit.
0: And I just thought that was really fascinating.
1: Yeah, it is fascinating. Um, the, the, the part of the crypto that I haven't quite wrapped my head around too, is you've already got these big data centers run by Amazon, Microsoft, whoever why Why aren't they leading the charge on that? you know because you watch these YouTube videos of somebody who's got you know thirteen servers in their basement or they've got a shed out back with a couple of solar panels on it so they can mine some crypto and it's like why why isn't Amazon or Microsoft with the most powerful computing hardware in the world doing this um, that's a That's uh, a good question
0: too um, I'm not sure they're not, yeah, maybe they are you know if there's um you know, I'm sure they're running. They're they're balancing just in just in time resource management. So you know, the AWS and the Microsoft Azure, the and the Google's hosting platform, those banks of servers that they now lease to users to run their computers and services. Um, they they may be doing. You know, uh, they may be running their theirs. It's all about compute time. You know, uh, you know, if the East Coast wakes up and everybody logs into their hosted uh, workspace on Amazon, Google, Microsoft, you know, there's a peak, there's a peak uh, usage uh, of compute time on, you know, maybe their East Coast data center, but you know, what are they doing that? What are they doing with that utilization in the middle of the night? I don't, I don't know if we don't know if they're they're not exploring crypto uh, mining. Um, I don't know if they would have to publicly. And make that public in, in their sec filings or their quarterly filings or not. Um, I'm not, but maybe they'll get into it. I mean, that's, it's a good point. You make a yeah. good point.
1: Yeah. I'm sure it's not profitable for, for you or me to rent uh, rent cloud space and do it. I'm sure that, uh, you know, whatever you'd be able to mine wouldn't, wouldn't pay the fees. That's why people are building their own hardware at their, right. their home right. location. So,
0: yeah. There's a whole, there's a whole industry that sprung up that, um, and I sound like a total fanboy, and I'm not, I'm really not. But, uh, the, the picture is becoming clear to me kind of, uh, every month and every quarter as you know, crypt- cryptocurrency is not going away. Um, and, and, and I do see some of the benefits, but I'm not a fanboy. I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying pivot all your investments into crypto. Cause that's not my position, but, um, it's uh you know, it's just the picture's becoming clearer. So I just I just see it just uh, and it's not going away. That I think that's for sure that's for that's for certain. Um the industry there's an industry that's kind of built built up around purpose-built computers that you can buy that you just plug them into the internet, you turn them on, and some easy slight modification, and you know, they just start cranking this this digital ledger and sending you the the proceeds to your to your what's called your digital wallet and um, I think at this point it, it comes down to inexpensive energy it just takes energy to just process do all those math calculations and one of the YouTubers that I watch is um, he does a lot of things uh, about solar and battery and he does just review after review of solar panels and and uh, battery systems and he he's made passing references to he's got prop- property in uh some cold region of the united states or, or uh, lower canada and he's got like a, apparently a massive solar array that he was able to bootstrap and he just runs crypto miners at, at this location that's nondescript location and he says he does it very profitably um and uh i thought that was fascinating
1: yeah it's pretty interesting stuff Rant over. All right. So, we're so at 56 minutes. That's another solid one in the books.
0: Yeah, that's another, that's a pretty good show. Um, again, the viewer, just to let the viewers at home know that we do, uh, we do the basis of the show is just uh, talk finance and technology. We use flipboard.com as a news aggregator. Um, We pin articles there that we might find interesting to just chat about. Otherwise this is our show and we talk about whatever we want. And I always like to use the expression we're running with scissors here to see where, see where it goes.
1: Yeah. Right. So this is what episode uh, five or six, I guess we've done so many, I lose count, but uh, right. Yeah. We have projected as 10 episodes is going to be the number where we iron out all the kinks and then, uh, and then start to promote it a little bit more. So, so you, yeah, I'm feeling pretty are, good
0: about it. How, what do you
1: think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, every week gets a little bit better. We'll get the time nailed down. We'll get the technology a little better. Maybe we'll get some, some better cameras, some, you know, a plus lighting, that kind of stuff, some better production. And, uh, yeah, yeah you're
0: you're our editor. So you're mm-hmm. kind of dialing in the, the post editing and publishing process. And that's
1: getting easier for you, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. First, uh, we take the audio and we upload that to the podcast and we don't do any edits there. We don't have anything to really cut out. So, so usually that goes up pretty quickly and we're trying to do the, the YouTube live. We'll see how that comes out, but that's more efficient for us because then we don't have to upload a file later. And Monday's a big day for uploading files to YouTube. So that can take to upload an hour long file to YouTube can take a while. So, um, So if we do a live, it's just in there. So that's, reason we do that and uh that's been pretty much it cool all
0: right well i don't know if we what our outro is yet do we have an outro i don't think we we, have a set outro no where do people find you if they if they want uh finance uh, help 401k help
1: yeah so it's uh brian williams northshire consulting which is an investment advisory firm in connecticut we work with uh small businesses on their 401k plans and individuals on their household financial planning. Our online presence is 401k and beyond. So that's the name of our Facebook group and our YouTube channel and Instagram, although we don't do a lot there yet. But uh, so that's where you can find us. And then the company page is northshireconsulting.com. Consulting.com. And um, and, I'm, for me. and my company is Evernet Consulting. You can find
0: us at evernetco.com. And uh, we are an IT company managing the IT function for businesses all over the country. So if you have a uh, business uh, that you outsource your IT function to and need uh, anything from high-level consulting, planning, software integration, data uh, integration, or uh, help desk services, that's what we provide our clients. So that's evernetco.com. All right, sounds good. So we'll see you next week. All right, Brian, have a great week, and we'll uh, we'll take it up again.